The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. Sugar is here, the both of us, speaking straight into your ears. I'm Cheryl Strayed. I'm Steve Almond. This is Dear Sugar Radio. Oh, dear son, won't you please share some little sweet days with me? Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different this week on Dear Sugar Radio. We are not a show, as listeners will know, uh, that tends to sort of chase the news cycle. Um, we try to sort of talk about individual stories that are taking place. They could really be happening anytime. Uh, but we were pretty deeply affected, as were millions of other people, by what's being called the Stanford rape case, and in particular, uh, the brave, long statement given by the victim of that sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And as it should happen, uh, a couple of days after she gave that very powerful statement in court into our email box, popped a very intense letter that we felt we should deal with as, as soon as possible. I'll read the letter. Great. Dear Sugars, Yesterday, my partner of almost a decade, who has also been my best friend for more than half my life, shared his deepest, darkest secret with me. He's never shared this secret with anyone before. Before I tell you what he told me, I want to tell you about him, so you'll understand my dilemma. When I met him in middle school, I immediately sensed we were going to fall in love. We have had many great adventures together since then, traveling, being social justice activists, writing, and doing art. He encourages and supports me in everything I do. Everyone adores him because he's a great guy. I have a chronic illness as well as bipolar, and I'm a sexual assault survivor, and over the years it's been difficult to deal with all of that. But he is always there, loving me, helping me find a therapist, making sure I have all the doctors and specialists I need, everything. We've had a wonderful life together so far, and I love him. Yesterday, he told me that 15 years ago, when he was in high school and at a party, he got blackout drunk and raped a girl who was passed out drunk. He said he regrets it, and he knows it was his fault. But sometimes he hears me say things about punishing rapists, and he reads similar opinions in the media, and he gets frustrated that everyone is so dismissive of the argument that young guys who fuck up and make a mistake shouldn't be punished in ways that ruin their whole lives. He pointed out to me that on lots of other issues, I'm all about reform and forgiveness. He asked me to consider if I could ever consider reform instead of punishment for rapists. He said he's genuinely sorry for what he did, and he has never and would never do anything like that again. I believe him, but it hurts. He lied. He let me be so vulnerable, and he never said anything until now. I know it's hard to tell someone that kind of thing, but I'm upset that he'd listened to me talk about my sexual abuse when he had done something like that himself. I know he's reformed, and he will not repeat this, but that's beside the point. It isn't about how he feels. What about the girl? What about her feelings and her life? Part of me is angry. Part of me hates him. Part of me wants him to suffer and be punished. I told him that if I had known about it when it happened, 
I probably would have turned him in. I hate him for making me feel resentful of our beautiful life together. I look out the window at the gorgeous view we have that all of our friends are jealous of, and all I feel is pain. Since we've been together, he has never been anything except respectful to women. I know the experience changed him. He's the most respectful, stable man in our families, and the younger kids look up to him. I can't ignore this glaring time he was a shitty person, yet I also must give him credit for being honest. I don't know. I feel lost. We all make mistakes when we're young. I know I did. But how do I justify how much I love him? How do I justify how much I hate him right now? Is a reformed rapist a thing? And if so, why do we never talk about it? Can it be okay for a sexual assault survivor to love a rapist? Sincerely, survivor, lover, feminist. Oh, that is, that is tough. It is. And, you know, I think it's one of these things. It's, it's a bruiser of a letter. Yeah. It's an ugly situation. But I think it's a really valuable conversation. And, yeah. you know, we're fortunate enough to have someone joining us today who, who I think has been a, a very important and wise and powerful voice on these issues. And that is uh, the writer Roxane Gay. Yeah. Roxane Gay is a wonderful writer and essayist. She's the author of the essay collection Bad Feminist and a soon-to-be-published memoir called Hunger, A Memoir of My Body. She teaches English at Purdue University in Indiana. And she's one of the, as you said, you know, one of the most thoughtful commentators, thinkers, writers on issues that have to do with a whole range of subjects, but in particular, sexual assault and the way the culture is grappling with that. Mm -hmm. So let's give her a call. Yep. Hello? Roxanne? Yes? Hi, this is Cheryl Strayed. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm here with Steve Almond. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Steve. And we have just read this really hard letter uh, from a woman who signs herself survivor, lover, feminist. You know, obviously, we've been having this uh, conversation about sexual violence, about men and women and masculinity and femininity and forgiveness and reform and all of these things. And so we know that you've done some really important writing on these issues. And so thank you for, for joining us to maybe give survivor, lover and feminist some, some counsel. Yes, I'm happy to do it, even though it is such a, this is a difficult letter. Yeah. What did you make of it? You know, my gut instinct was kick his ass to the curb, honestly. Mm -hmm. But life doesn't work that way. Right. And she clearly loves him. And I don't think she needs, she asks, you know, how do I justify how much I love him? I don't think she needs to justify how much she loves him. We love who we love. And... People make mistakes. It's really difficult to think about men who commit rape with any sort of nuance because it is such an appalling crime. But just as victims are more than their suffering, Mm -hmm. I think that if we believe in redemption and if we want to have a healthier culture around sexual violence, we have to also believe that rapists, are more than their crime. Mm -hmm. But there's a long road to getting to that place where you are more than your crime. There has to be some kind of rehabilitation. You know, I think that 
maturity and time and distance are well and good for this guy, but something more needs to happen. Mm -hmm. The challenge is, does that woman who he raped 15 years ago want to know? And does she want to have some sort of discussion with him about it? I mean, I don't know that I would want to hear from somebody 15 years later who was like, oh, by the way, I raped you. Right, when you were passed out, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think I would be so horrified and disgusted. And then I would ask, why are you bringing this to me? I think in many ways, if he were to go back and try and make amends with this woman, it would be more about him and relieving himself. And so I don't know that that kind of catharsis is going to be available to him and therefore his girlfriend. Yeah. So then what what courses is he left with? That's the question. And is it possible that if reconciliation of that sort isn't possible, that some of the attributes that he's acquired, he's, you know, as she describes it, he's really a model citizen, right? Respectful, stable, people look up to him, he's magnificent, he's noble, and dot, 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 dot. Is it possible that he's been doing that work within himself? Maybe, but I don't think anyone who commits this crime also is noble. I think you can be more than the crime you commit, but I don't think he is this great human being that, you know, she sees him as. I think that perhaps she needs a more realistic sense of who this man is mm-hmm. and recognize that he's, uh, he's someone who once decided to rape a passed-out young woman. Mm-hmm. And I think she's going to have to reconcile that. You know, she also asks, how do I justify how much I hate him now? Like, girl, hate him all you want. You don't need to justify it. Mm-hmm. What he has done is worthy of your hatred, particularly because you've been involved with him, and in many ways you were betrayed as well. And it's okay to sort of sit in that betrayal for a while, even though you weren't his victim. Mm. There was some deception. It's almost like it's not so much about, you know, what does she need to do to make this okay, make her love for him okay. But really, you know, what, what comes after the revelation of his secret? You know, is he actually going to go back and and examine like you said what what you know he was this young boy he was in high school and he made this choice and it's a choice that he immediately regretted and and or at least he reports that he would never do that now and and she's backing him up on that but i still think that there's something there there's some reckoning or healing or or work that needs to be done that has to do with him searching his soul about like h- how did he become that young man who did who would do that to a young woman and part of the answer i mean obviously not not to take the blame off of the the responsibility off of him but let's face it you know he grew up in a culture that there's a lot of messaging that that tells young men you know you get to do this you get to you know screw a woman who's passed out at a party you have the you have the right to that you know when i when i think about offering survivor lover and feminist a little bit of a foothold of consolation is to think about this terrible thing your lover did in a larger context, which again, doesn't excuse it, but at least it offers some way into how he, this person she perceives as good did something very bad. Absolutely. But I think that there is reason for concern in her letter because he gets frustrated when she talks about punishing rapists. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because he doesn't want to be punished himself. 
that, you know, he thinks that everyone is dismissive of the argument that young guys who fuck up and make a huge mistake shouldn't be punished in ways that ruin their whole lives. I think that is someone who does not fully understand the repercussions of what he has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say also that that perception, which is really kind of self-victimizing, frankly, Mm -hmm. he should be looking, for instance, at... uh, just another case that popped into my head that I've written about a little bit, the case in Steubenville, Ohio, where these mm-hmm. two star football players sexually assaulted a, an unconscious girl, and then it was filmed and spread around on social media. And even in the national coverage, you heard this same line, mm-hmm. um, which was, hey, this is going to ruin these Their bright whole young, lives, this yeah. whole lives, the, the entire community rallied to the defense of these of the perpetrators. And so I think it's partly... Who gets paid attention to in the aftermath of sexual assault? That's what may, has made the Stanford rape case, in a way, kind of unprecedented and has disrupted the discussion in a, in a necessary way. There tends to be, and you see it even in these high-profile cases, you know, O.J. Simpson, domestic abuser, accused, uh, you know, murderer, whatever the intricacies of that case, 99.9% of the discussion is about him and his fate and mm-hmm. 0.001% of the discussion is about the victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Absolutely. Y- you see this over and over again. So that that clearly arises from this letter, but I kept also thinking, and I want to bounce this off of both of you, um, you know, what if the terrible thing that this guy had done when he was 15 years old was getting behind the wheel of a car when he was drunk and, uh, you know, getting into an accident that injured a passenger or somebody else in a way that maybe paralyzed them, say, mm-hmm. would we would we discuss it in the same way? Um, would it have been something that was kept secret that he would have kept secret from her? You know, dot, 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 dot. That's a good question. I don't know. I yeah. I don't know. I think it comes down to accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is someone who has never been accountable for what he did yeah. and who is really focused on how young guys shouldn't have their lives ruined. And so he doesn't fully understand anything that he has done. And I think that there is no prescription that we can offer her in terms of what she's going to do with the relationship. But I do think that if she wants to stay in the relationship and feel good about it, he's going to have to do some work. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, Steve, you know, using your example, first of all, absolutely, somebody who's drunk and gets behind the wheel of a car, they, they, they absolutely are, you know, responsible for the things that might happen because of that bad decision. But there's still a sense of like, well, what was his intent? His, the, his intent when he got behind the wheel of the car was right. to drive home. Right. His intent when he decided to rape a unconscious woman was to rape an unconscious woman. Right. So there was no, it wasn't a bad result because of right. something else he was doing. And I think, you know, I do think that we are all worthy of redemption. I, I, I absolutely think that. And I and I think that there are a lot of women, I mean, Roxanne, I know you, you know many people, Steve, All we all know, and, and many of us have had this experience ourselves of being, you know, sexually assaulted. This is not something that is like a rare occurrence in our society. So right. if there are a lot of victims out there, there are also a lot of perpetrators, right? right? And a lot of the people, I think, a lot of men are are just like survivor lover and feminist boyfriend, silent about it. They mm-hmm. do they did this thing that later they're like, ah, yeah. maybe I should have done that. But guess what? My whole life shouldn't be ruined for it. Right. So I'm just going to move onward. And I think that 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 idea, you know, of 
why should my life be ruined over this one bad choice I made? What it, what it obliterates is the long history of male lives being valued over female lives. Right. The idea that, that why should I be punished for one bad decision when a woman who has to live forever with that kind of punishment that that being a victim entails. Yeah. And and so to me what I my the biggest I mean frankly this sounds terrible but the, like the biggest alarm bells that go off for me is not that this guy had this experience yeah. because I think actually more men than we care to know have had this yes. experience. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. That, you know that he doesn't have consciousness about it. Well you're absolutely right in the sense that that analogy is is a bad analogy. Uh, maybe a better one would be: What if he got drunk and got into a fight and willfully injured somebody seriously, right? Where there's serious intent. But regardless of that, what makes that a bad analogy on my part is, and what makes the letter so interesting psychically is, he's carrying around uh, the shame and the the awareness that he has committed this crime against a young woman, and he's best friends with, and then lovers and partners with some somebody who is a sexual assault survivor herself. I wonder, and it's purely speculation, if psychologically, unconsciously anyway, this guy sees himself, some of his rehabilitation is in being such a loyal friend and lover to somebody who was a victim, not of his particular sexual assault, but of sexual assault. Uh, Maybe, but I don't think that evens the scales. And nobody's suggesting it is. What I'm getting at, though, is it's probably not a coincidence that mm. he he has fallen into the role of being not a superman morally, but clearly an upright guy who's been extraordinarily loyal and so on and so forth in his conduct with her. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more that this is something that he kept from her. I'm also wondering, you know, really, as she's telling him that she is a survivor of sexual assault, um, you know, that is the occasion where he could have said and maybe should have said, um, I need to tell you something. But I'm also thinking, oh, my God, how does that work? Well, you know, I, I think that I think that there's maybe you're right. I mean, here's the thing. There's never a good time to tell someone ter- something terrible about right. yourself. Right. OK. Right. I will say, like, I, I, the fact that he did admit this to somebody, his most trusted partner, and yeah. somebody who he knows is, you know, is a feminist and, and is a survivor. A survivor. And also sounds like really has, you know, is tuned into these issues. The fact that he, that he was able to admit this to her is a, you know, is a big deal. And it's also a big deal that she now has this information. Right. She's asking us, what do I do with it? You know, we can't guess mm-hmm. at, at his motivations. But, you know, I think that there are a couple of ways to think about it. I think Roxanne's right. The deal is about love, for better or worse. We often uh, end up staying with the people we love, even if they kind of uh, are shitty to us, right? And she's feeling like, she wants us to basically tell her it's okay to stay with him, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is we can't be the people to like decide that for you. But I can say, I would say this, give the same bit of advice to anyone who is in a relationship who, with a partner who's revealed something that basically traumatizes you. It's like that you have to assess how serious is this guy about doing the work that it takes to actually make amends. We use that word in here, forgiveness and reformed and redemption and all that stuff. Is he going to begin this journey now in those directions? Or is he just, does he think his confession is enough? He admitted it 
and then onward we go. And I think that, you know, survivor, lover, and feminist, only you can know that when you witness and observe how he responds to the revelation of the secret. And I would also say, I, I think that rape is more than a bad decision. That's right. Given the overwhelming messages that young men receive in our very toxic culture when it comes to sexuality, I do think this happens a lot more than people realize. But at the same time, it's not just a mistake. It's, it's a crime. And in general, a crime requires punishment of some kind. So, I, you know, I just, I, I still cringe at the, the phrasing, uh, his words, that, you know, uh, one bad mistake is yeah. so much more than a bad mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reason we're cringing at it is that this is a crime that was committed within a context and a culture that actually, you know, I know this sounds insane, but I, I truly believe it, that in some ways actually, you know, doesn't consider it a crime. Yeah. Okay. So if you mm-hmm. are a woman, there's a long, long, long history that says if you are a woman who has gotten yourself into that situation, yep. that you have passed out in the company of men at a party, yep. you deserve to be raped. And he raped her within that context. There's this amazing Mary Gateskill story called The Girl on the Plane. And she, and the whole short story is is told through the perspective of of this man who's, you know, his thirties or forties now, but he is sitting next to this attractive woman who's about his age, and and she keeps uh, reminding him of this woman he knew many years before when he was, you know, in high school or college, you know, t- these teenage years, who he gang raped. And it's really an amazing and fascinating read. Survivor, lover, feminist, you might, I I, I highly recommend it to you. But, you know, I think it does a really great job of of telling a story that's not just in these kind of terms that we often use in argument or journalism where it's like good and evil, but but really, how does a crime like this happen? Right. And how does a crime Mm -hmm. like this happen? How is it perpetrated by people who aren't even sure it's a crime? Yeah, you know, and this narrator, this story, in this story, you know, he he ends up being part of this gang rape. That only later does it occur to him that it was a rape, right? And that's because we don't. We're just learning as a society what consent is. We're just learning as a society what a woman who gets to make decisions about her body is. And we've got a long way to go. And that's why this is all so, you know, like, I think it's very, very murky on in one light and very, very clear in another. The the hard part for survivor, lover and feminist is, is you're, you're right that you've got one foot in each river. On one hand, you see that your lover is a rapist. On the other hand, you see that your lover is you a know, social justice is, activist. Is a social justice activist and a great you, guy right, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the complicated truth we're going to have to face as a culture is there's a whole bunch of men like him. And um, we do need to allow them to be redeemed. But guess what? They have to redeem themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, my, my take, again, I'm pu- being purely speculative, but it's sort of, I hope, based something on of the letter is that in his own narrative, what he's saying is, I can't undo this, but what I can do is try to become a social justice activist, be a loving and supportive partner to my best friend, now my lover, and help her, you know, through everything that she's struggling with, be a model for the younger kids and the, all, everything that's listed here. Um, does that constitute rehabilitation? Really, that's actually not 
for, it's certainly not punishment for the crime that he committed, but I think that's what he believes himself, consciously or unconsciously, to be up to. And I guess it, it is for you, survivor, lover, and feminist, to decide to what extent that constitutes some form of rehabilitation and grants him the privilege, frankly, of some kind of forgiveness from you. But I couldn't agree more with Cheryl and Roxanne that like, you need to talk with a therapist, the both of you, about this. But I also think that she shouldn't make it difficult for herself if she wants to stay. I think if she wants to stay with him and they can work through this, then she should do so rather than feeling obligated to leave him if she doesn't really want to leave him. Mm -hmm. That's not going to, you know, solve anything. Yeah. Your feminist card will not be revoked by the committee. No, it will not. It will remain intact. <laughs> and I, and think, I think a lot of people, I mean, Roxanne, both you and I have written about this in different ways. But, you know, that that sense, you know, when you are a social justice activist, and you are a feminist, like, oh, my goodness, when, when you find that you are with a man who has in some ways broken the, that code of what we think of a, like a, a feminist man is, mm-hmm. uh, you like, okay, am I am I betraying my my values? And in fact, uh, my my community? Um, by remaining in this relationship. And I, I can tell you absolutely no. Like, I, I'm with Roxanne on that, you know, that idea that, you know, the survivor, lover, feminist, you get to do whatever you want to do uh, with this relationship. The work of, you know, the, of your, your partner redeeming himself is not up to you, but you get to decide uh, whether you to go forward with him or not. And And there's no, like, wrong choice. You could also decide this is just too much. It's a deal killer. You know, we talk about things that are like, you know what, I just can't be with somebody who has done this to a woman. And and that might be what you decide. And I, I think that that's fine, too. You can wish him well and walk away. Or you can let this alter the picture of this person you're partnered up with and see what comes next with him. And there's no one way, one, no one right way. Yeah. It's worth yeah. bearing in mind also just that, you know, the letter we got she received this news the day before she wrote us this letter. Yeah. So, of course, she's in a tailspin. I mean, this is the exact piece of information that she thought would be least likely that she would receive from this man, given his behavior towards her, um, and that is almost cruelly engineered to disrupt the way she thinks of him. Yeah, I have nothing but empathy for her. I honestly, I would be shattered if I found out something like this from my partner. I would be completely lost and unsure of everything. I just don't know what I would do. It would take a long time for me to find some sort of clarity. So I have nothing but empathy for what she's going through. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, Roxanne, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. I find this letter so sad because 
there are like these two things that we're trying to hold up here, right? And the first is there has been an active and passive conspiracy of silence around sexual assault in this culture and a permission that is granted that is so pernicious, destructive, it's just, it's unforgivable. And on the other side is this question of, hold on a second, isn't our program about finding a path to forgiveness? Both of those ideas in this one letter are just colliding. It's like a head-on collision. Yeah. Well, and I, to me, I'm actually not conflicted about that piece of it. I feel very certain that we can all be redeemed. I feel certain that this young man can be redeemed fully. But the deal with redemption is you have to be the agent of your own redemption. You have to be the one who does the work to make amends and to essentially own all of the responsibility for the consequences of of your crimes and misdemeanors, your felonies and misbehaviors and all of those mistakes. And and I, I just really hope that this that they both find their way um, to that peace, whether it be together or alone. Mm. I know it's possible for him. And I know it's possible for her too. Sugar Radio is produced by WBUR. We're produced and edited by Lisa Tobin. We're recording in Portland, Oregon. Our engineer is Josh Millman of Talkback Sound and Visual. Our theme music is by the Portland band Wonderly. Please listen and subscribe on iTunes. And if you like the show, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. You can write to us at DearSugarRadio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at DearSugarRadio. Radio.